0: Here's another saying of wisdom, apply yourself to the study of God's word and wisdom, for it is not yours by inheritance.
1: Okay, friends, we're back here at A Shared Word with my friend, Sandy Kress. Hello, Sandy. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Excited to be with you. So this is our fourth episode. The shared word as we're looking through the proverbs, and today is going to be kind of a unique day in that uh, we're not necessarily looking at the proverbs itself, but wisdom literature that's outside the proverbs. So, would you share more about the Jewish tradition and how these wisdom literature came to be?
0: You bet. Uh, you know, it, it obviously is rooted in Torah, in the in the fi- in the Bible, in the five books, and then other uh, books that are associated with the five books, including the Book of Proverbs. Uh, And we have it in Proverbs is a pretty early book. By tradition, it was written by Solomon, uh, but it may have had other helpers uh, through the centuries after roughly a thousand BC, a thousand BCE. But it didn't stop with Proverbs. The idea of thinking about uh, words of wisdom, gems, statements, aphorisms, Uh, comments that can help guide us in living a good life that are true to the Bible, but that have some utility in that way. That practice went on uh, after Proverbs was put to bed, so to speak. Uh, And just to interject, in the Jewish community,
1: the wisdom literature that you're going to share, how is that held in relation towards uh, Torah and Proverbs? Uh,
0: They would be statements by sages who were often commenting on the Bible, okay. uh, trying to give a fresh understanding or a, a simpler understanding as Proverbs does in a way. There was a tradition of one sage talking to another, there being a debate, uh, conversation uh, that went on all the way through uh, the era before Jesus, uh, and then for at least 500 years after in the mission of the Talmud, other works. So that's where we're going to find a lot of these comments. Now, of course, people have been making statements about wisdom, even since then, all the way up till now. But uh, this is that 1500 year period between the birth of Proverbs and uh, the production of the two Talmuds in Babylon and Jerusalem. I want to say one other thing. Uh, these, a lot of this activity happened be- before, during, and after the life of Jesus. And I have the thought, be curious to see as we go through this, your thoughts, Uh, Jesus in his human form was very much a part of uh, living a life of wisdom and in having these kinds of conversations.
1: Just for me, like when I have heard you talk about the Talmud and about how uh, sages have interacted around Torah, one of the things that I've gotten from that is... The it's it's a sacred thing to wrestle with other people around the meaning of Torah, of God's word. I, that's actually a really sacred thing. I, I would hope that even this right now, what you and I are doing, God is pleased by this. And I, uh, that's my hope.
0: I hope so too. <laughs> and again, I think, you know, when I read, it's interesting to, just to have, when I read the New Testament, uh, one of the things I enjoy very much uh, is reading the debates uh, that are that come out of the, Gospels uh, where Jesus is saying uh, You know, here's what I believe. Here's what I think is true. Here's what is true And it's not this other interpretation. Yeah,
1: Yeah, one of the one of his favorite lines is you have heard it said right You say a line, but I so say or I say and so he's actually entering into the particularity of that day and time with uh, sages engaging in their interpretation of, of this wisdom. And,
0: and it's very characteristic of the conversations that were had at the yeah. time.
1: Which is why I think sometimes he, Jesus got so much trouble, is his interpretation of, of, the, of the Torah went contrary to a lot of the, the powerful or popular sages, which was a threat, which was, a, it was really threatening to uh, the following that these people had, which is why he got so much trouble. It
0: could be. It could be. Another way of looking at it is, that if you read a lot of the Talmudic discussion, Uh, and maybe one day we'll have a series on that, that'd be pretty interesting. Uh, People would get after each other. Yeah. Uh, And so people got into trouble with each other. In fact, people (laughs) would be banned or people who would be separated away or lose their leadership in the academy.
1: Yeah, that doesn't Uh, happen now though. No, it never happens now, (laughs) no. And it only happened then, Yeah. Uh,
0: but it actually was fairly common and there were people who challenged uh, the common view.
1: This episode, we're talking about the very nature of wisdom, so it makes sense for us if we're going to talk about the nature of wisdom, the nature of Proverbs, uh, it's great to look back at some of the sages of past, of, of, their, of their view of the very nature of wisdom
0: itself. Right, right, and I want to, ta- I want to uh, raise one of these statements, and then I want to spend the rest of the time we have today focusing on what do we have to do in order to honor wisdom, Uh, What are the sorts of things we can do that will help make us wise in the way that the woman of valor was wise in our last episode? Let me ask you this, because this statement uh, in the sayings of the fathers, which was a a piece of wisdom itself, has a lot to say about what this wisdom is and what distinguishes it from uh, the philosophical tradition or the top of the ivory tower or brilliance or intellectualism. This says the following, Fear of sin should precede wisdom, then wisdom endures. Deeds should exceed wisdom, then wisdom endures. I guess my question to you, Mark, is this seems to be really elevating the importance of how we live and our fear of God, or that is our respect for God. They're so high that in a sense they precede wisdom. And if they do, wisdom itself survives and endures. What does that mean to you?
1: This phrase, a fear of sin should precede wisdom, then wisdom endures. The important phrase for me is fear of sin. Uh, because for me, my own background, the idea of fearing of sin was so skewed and misunderstood that it was not helpful because a lot of my my own spiritual background was The emphasis was on me, my spiritual report card, how I was doing, and being afraid of uh, displeasing a really angry God who was communicating to me primarily through guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And it took way too long in my life to realize that a fear of sin is not being punished by God for being a mess up and screw up. A fear of sin is when you live out of sync with God's created order in your life. That is sin. Right. So it's not being able not to tick off the right report card boxes. But it's about when you're not living wisely, that's a life of sin.
0: Right. And I think, so I think what we're learning here is wisdom is not doing well on Jeopardy. Yeah. Wisdom is not necessarily uh, getting advanced degrees at the university. Nothing's wrong with all that. Wisdom here is having the understanding to live in sync with God's created order, to understand what God expects us to do in life. And what it's saying, I think, in a very intriguing verbal play, the the, the, literary, the language is beautiful in a way, what it's saying is that if you see wisdom as that, wisdom will endure mm-hmm. and you will live well.
1: So a lot of the Proverbs and even this wisdom literature talks the, the word fear so like the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Here, the fear of sin should precede wisdom. What's a different
0: way of fear, of understanding fear? Well, I think, I think that's a good topic for us to talk about because I know I, like you, don't react very well to that word. I think we in the modern world don't. I suspect many of our listeners don't like hearing it. Um, and so I think coming to grips with what the word fear means is cer- certainly something that would be helpful, and I don't think it's right to just dismiss it as a word that made sense in in olden days, because I think what it really is trying to say is, do you have respect for it? Does it, do you place a sense of awe around this idea of try, of living as God wants us to? Is it important to you? I think we agree on this. Yeah. And, yeah, for uh, me a lot of it's
1: being mindful. Being, just being mindful. You being know, really mindful. Fear enough. of sin is just being keeping on the forefront of your mind. Uh, am I am I diverting from the path that God's already blessed? Right.
0: And if I am, it's not good. Yeah. And if and knowing the difference is an important part of being wise. So the question I want to get into for the rest of our time on this is What do we do to get that kind of wisdom, to get that, to get a a sense, an understanding, a learning of what is in God's interest or in God's created order? So one of the pieces of wisdom uh, from that era, uh, right around the time of Jesus, a little bit before, let your house be open to sages and drink their words with thirst. Hmm. What does that mean to us? We all live in an apartment or a house. What would we do in our homes and in our apartments, our condos? What would we do today uh, to uh, honor this statement or to make it true for us?
1: So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what this might be speaking to is a little bit more literal, but I think there is a way for us to apply this in our lives. Yeah. If you encounter sages, if you encounter wise teachers uh, in that day and age, it would not be abnormal say, teacher would you come would you would you come to my house will you teach me and it was a sign of relationship and respect to have table fellowship where you'd gather around so you could you could drink in the wise words from this uh, from the sage and so for me it's about inviting wisdom into your life mm-hmm. about inviting wisdom into your space but it also for me also brings about this hunger and thirst for wisdom like a prerequisite for wisdom is are you hungry for it? Are you even thirsty to live wisely? Uh, that idea of drinking the, their words with thirst sounds like they're just, they're so, the appetite is, I need wisdom in my life. I love that.
0: I love your going there. The desire to learn and to do, I think you're right, may be the more important part of this, this saying. But, but who would sages be in our world? Mm. So there might be a good teacher. I learned from you. I learned from our discussions. So I think this is a part of it. I hope our listeners are learning something from us or discussions that may have around what we're talking about. What else? Uh, how else do we bring sages into our home? I mean, I,
1: I, I personally, I know that I need, I need mentors in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's a very intentional thing to say, I, I need to spend time with you. I, I need you to be a part of my life. And so part of that is real, physical, tangible, tangible people that you need to draft off of in life. But I also think, uh, I mean, there are mentors in my life that I've never met, but I know them from their writings. You know, for me, Henry Nowlin is, is one, he's a Catholic priest who, who uh, died years ago. And his writings and his work, have they are a part of my life. They have entered into my home. And they've sat with me and he's taught me. And so I think, I think that's one way is... It's about a, a, being teachable uh, and being hunger, hungry and thirsty for wisdom.
0: So one could get it from uh, a book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One could
0: get it from a lecture. One could get it from uh, a recording. One could get it, amidst all the other that's mediocre and bad, one could get these kinds of wisdom from social media or from the Internet. Yeah, what if One what looks we, for it.
1: Yeah, what we heard in, in Proverbs 8 in our, in our last episode is, Lady Wisdom's crying out. Right. Uh, so, so wisdom is being told out of the uh, intention of God that God wants for us to be made wise.
0: So, are, you, so are we listening to yes. her? Are we, are we looking hungry for, and are thirsty? We, are we thirsty to yeah. find her? Yeah. Are we going making an effort to go find her in whatever form she takes or whatever voice she has? That's right. Here's an interesting idea. Here's another saying of wisdom. Apply yourself to the study of God's word and wisdom, for it is not yours by inheritance. Uh, what, what's the message of this? The, lat, the, the, cl, the latter clause there? For it is not yours by inheritance.
1: Yeah, so for me, that would make me think that the study of Torah... So, God, reading is of, relating to, to God's word, is not yours by inheritance. Makes me think that this is a common experience now, and it seems like a common experience in that day and age, that my relationship to God's to God's word, as well as to wisdom, is has been passed down to me. It's a part of our family legacy. It's and, and I, I hear this even now within within our church. That they feel like they have a sense of inheritance through their upbringing, through their own family, but it's not necessarily their own personal story or experience. Which you know, I heard someone say, and I don't, I don't know how I feel about this statement. Uh, but I heard someone say recently that God has no grandchildren, only children, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I struggle with that uh, statement. But it made me think of this. That's not yours by inheritance that God wants a direct relationship uh, with us.
0: it is for us to be that child of God mm-hmm. to not see ourselves as so distant from God that somehow or another it just comes to us as if a legacy and a will we have to work at it yeah we have to we have to we have to pray we have to worship we have to study as if it's between us and God mm-hmm. if we treat it like an inheritance that is to say. Well, I have it. I benefit from it because I've come along and it's mine by right. uh, Or I automatically am clued in. Uh, We're not giving it the diligence, the effort, the the mindfulness that is required that God wants from us. Finally, as we think about how we attain wisdom, there are a couple of wisdom statements that seem to be uh, inconsistent. And I want to see how you can... Uh, make them, reconcile them. So one rabbi said, reduce your business activities and engage in the study of God's word. Okay. Another comes along and says, excellent is the study of God's word together with a worldly occupation. In fact, study of God's word in the absence of a worldly occupation comes to nothing in the end and leads to sin. (laughs) So uh, first of all, I guess I want to ask, uh, should we put time aside uh, in our busy lives to study this wisdom? Uh, it's so hard to do it for many who are so busy with the stuff of life. Should they try a little bit more to do more? Should they try so much to do it that they actually should exclude significantly or altogether living in the world? We're on that. We're on that spectrum. Should we be, more?
1: Yeah, so it's it's almost, I wonder if these two rabbis were writing to push against a cultural uh, distinctive of that time. So perhaps when uh, this first statement came out, reduce your business activities, engage in study of Torah, people are too busy. People are too busy exploring and uh, finding themselves in other worldly ventures. And so maybe that was the, the word of that time. And so for us, it makes me think, where is our society? Do we... Are we so fixated on production and busyness that we are too busy to stop and still ourselves to soak in God's word? Or are we too prone to to be slothful, pull away, disengage from this world and just get along with, with our Bible? I don't think that we're the latter. <laughs> no,
0: no, no. No, I think you I think you have hit the you've hit the nail on the head. I think it is uh, uh, I think what we're being taught here is if this is important make it a priority it's not and i think again we go back to the woman of valor as a perfect model for us she understood what wisdom was she obviously studied but she also ran a vineyard uh, she also were, was productive enough so that she could help the poor yeah. and she could make life good for her household and i think maybe she found the right balance so we come to the end of our study about attaining wisdom i guess do you have any final thoughts about uh, how important it is that we in our modern lives make a priority, uh, that we set time aside, uh, that we devote some energy every day or at least every week to understanding what this wisdom is, what it teaches us, and how we should bring it into our lives.
1: I would think that from generations uh, in our past, when they, if they were to look at us, they would look at us as, we are so advanced in so many different ways. We're so productive. Uh, we actually have more leisure time now than, you know, generations past. And I think they would say, why don't you use it more in the study of, of God's word? Why don't you use it more in seeking out? I think we're so, like, to use your word, we're so bloated with consumerism, with materialism and productivity that we, are, we don't have an adequate thirst for wisdom. And I think it, it, that calls us to have a real honest look in the mirror of how, how, how hungry am I for wisdom? I am, I'm hungry for entertainment. I'm hungry for production. I'm hungry for a lot of things. And wisdom cries out in the streets. And I think we're too busy listening to other things. Our our world's way too noisy. And uh, we've, already, we've already had our fill. So we're not hungry, not thirsty enough. So, I, for me, this is an honest look in the mirror that wisdom is, we need to get thirsty again.
0: And if we want to have that sense of contentment, of peace, of wholeness, of gratitude that the woman of valor felt uh, toward the end of her life, then we need to devote more time, I think that's what you're saying, to understanding what wisdom is, garnering, and living truth. To it.